Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. According to Red Nose Australia, around 90% of parents will co-sleep with their baby in the first six months. That could be one night or it could be six months of nights. Co-sleeping is often looked at in the context of baby safety, but today I'm interested in its potential impact on your relationship. Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of Relationships Australia New South Wales and a practicing psychologist. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? What are the benefits of sharing a bed with your partner? That sounds like a really obvious question, but yeah. from, a, from a psychologist's perspective, mm. what, what, how does it strengthen your relationship? Yeah. Well, I think it's um, important in its symbolic value as well as a whole lot of other values um, because literally getting into bed together is is what you've chosen to do as a couple in forming a relationship. So there's something about that that remains a symbol of a couple relationship because really your sexual and romantic life is the defining element otherwise you could be flatmates or you could be co-parents or caregivers but there's something about being in bed and all of the symbolism of that which is the potential to have sex whether you really have sex in the bed or not there's all of that which I think is about intimacy so it's a symbol and it's it's the time sometimes the the couple gets together literally with a lot of other busyness the moment they really join up at the end of the day. When my babies were small, so I've got two kids who are now um, five and seven, I kicked my husband out and slept with both of them. But when that happened, we both agreed to that because we knew we needed more sleep and that was the only way we found to have sleep. But I have come across people who were really shocked by that because they accept that their partner would never want to do that. What happens when that is like an unconscious decision mm. and everyone's sleeping better, but the person who's been kicked out on the, la- on the lounge or in the other bed is feeling really upset about it? Mm. Well, that's, that's a problem because how long you're going to do that remains unclear. So it's not as if it was a bad night. Anyone sort of mature enough will forgive that. But if, it's, if it lingers... And depending on the age of your children, it, it will. You set a precedent. For a child, you do it two nights in a row. It's a fact. It's a rule. You know? yes. so, they're um, not going back. No, they're not, they're not necessarily going back. So it can have a dramatic impact if it's not a choice. Um, and in fact, for a couple, it, it can be risky to let those things go on without discussion. And the discussion is not just about, shall we do this for a period of time because we need the sleep? But it's, what is it going to mean to us to not meet up at that point? And what will we do instead? instead. So it may be, well, if we're going to be doing that, we definitely need more date nights. Or if we're going to do that, we're spending a definite hour on the couch um, chatting at the end of the day because, you know, we need to connect up. So I think it's it's really treating it as a as a potential risk, even if it's just smart. And you could make some fun out of that, you know. Now, I can, when you were saying that, I was imagining all these different scenarios of um, what it was like at that period of time. And just speaking for myself, I know um, that I was the one, I was breastfeeding at the time, so I was the one waking up to the baby. And I think had he pushed back and said, actually, I want to be back in the bed with you, 
I would have found that quite a selfish request. Mm. I don't know that I would have been open to it as much just because at that point, physically and emotionally, how can the other partner broach that subject without seeming um, selfish or lacking in compassion? Look, I think it's um, it's important to entertain the protest. Um, it's too easy to fall into, well, that'd be right, the, particularly in a, a heterosexual relationship. You know, the man would want to be in the bed. He's, you know, can't give room to the kids, only wants sex. It's very easy to make the man just look sort of infantile himself. And I think it's it's for problem solving much better to entertain it because it could be that it's not a selfish request. It's actually, I know for us this is important or I know for me it's important or I'll miss you and I haven't got a strategy around that or, or it could be actually I don't agree with it and all of that needs to be entertained. So I think um, rather than see that as infantile or again moving into a woman saying, well, typical, I'm the only one that gets the kid's needs um, or in fact he's not realising how tired I am. Yes, all of that could be true too, but I think waiting out that tension and having those conversations and following all those trails is a good way to come to peace with it together and it's true enough there are a variety of ways of managing those moments and couples do it differently so it's also not true that there's only one way to do it so it's good to canvas all the possibilities and really decide together why is why does this one feel the right one for us and maybe will we do it for a set period of time that we agree to Um, And there can be problems to agreeing to it because it is an upheaval for the couple. But depending on the age of the children, it will be an upheaval for the children in changing it around. And that's a rod for your backs as well. So there's a whole lot of things just to be explored. So when you say perhaps having a time frame on it, I mentioned that statistic from Red Nose Australia that it mostly happens in that first six months of a child's life. Is that a realistic time frame to put on something like that if one of the partners is unhappy or is it just too long? Well, like I saying think, to yeah, them, it's, yeah. it's six months. We know, yeah. um, we also know that babies can sleep better after six months. Yeah. That they can actually um, learn a rhythm or a yeah. pattern which they don't remember before yeah. six months, according to certain pa- pediatricians. So um, that could be an argument for, mm. um, okay, we might do it for six months, but let's say at six months we're going to move the baby into a cot in another room or yeah. in the room with us. I know that in my mind, having done all those interviews about babies and sleeping, that Mm. that is an option for the baby. But I'm not sure if six months is going to be too much to ask of a partner to spend on the couch. Well, this is the thing is, is the alternative arrangement truly viable? If they are camping and on the couch, uh, I mean, again, that could work. But if it really is a substandard sort of arrangement, that's going to make it worse. It's For me, it's all about whether the couple resolve the other things, which is what does it mean to be apart? How are you looking at your sexual relationship? How is intimacy being maintained? If all of those things are pretty robust or robust enough, it'll have different meaning to the fact that I am cut off from you as a partner. I really do feel sidelined and that's not some infantile, I can't properly hold my child in mind. It's a genuine concern. I mean, I've worked with couples who have have virtually, literally put their relationship on hold in all sorts of ways and, and thought, well, when the kids get to school, 
then we'll reconnect. You know, you just have to do it tough for a few years. Now, if you're getting two kids to school, that could be eight years away. Couples do often put big parts of their relationship on hold as if that is the mature, wise and child-centred thing to do. And it isn't necessarily. It's, first of all, an assumption that's true. It's an assumption your children need that or even notice it or value it. And certainly not necessarily wise for a relationship, but it's, it's not measured by who is in what bed. It's measured by whether the couple are thoughtful about the impact of that and how are they managing it. I mean, they could have a great deal of fun with it. One could sneak out and say, meet you, in the, meet you on the lounge in 10 minutes. It could be <laughs> romantic, you know, it yes. could be... There could be any number of ways that you manage it or it could be that you are literally saying, I'm in the bed, I've got the door shut, manage yourself. That's a different scenario altogether. So people have different um, needs when it comes to physical intimacy or um, affection, let's say. Do we know how important touch is and I'm I'm not necessarily saying sex but Mm. if you're in separate beds then you're getting less cuddles with your partner you you, you're not physically touching each other do you have any tips on how partners can retain that important part of the relationship Mm. if they're not sharing a bed well, it's all about whether affection outside of the bedroom was part of what happened. And some couples don't have a strong routine about that. And also because if, if as classically happens, a woman might be holding on to a baby most of the day, sometimes a woman just really wants to be left alone. And again, you can fall into stereotypical conversations about that. But I think it is really important to look at how you do attend to the couple relationship and also to say even if you're hugely affectionate out of the bedroom if you are missing a sexual connection that that can really matter and if one person just doesn't feel like it at the moment that's okay to be discussed it's not that you have to I think a lot of people feel like how dare you even raise the subject what an outrage can't you see I'm breastfeeding you know instead of saying it's a reasonable subject to raise it's true I don't feel like it let's talk about that Mm. Um, and and all of that it's it's usually when it's blocked or denied or starts to be judged or written off as a conversation that a couple will get into difficulty. Let's say the partnership um, have agreed that they are going to sleep separately, but the person who's not in bed with the baby is still feeling a bit lonely and um, perhaps missing both the baby and, and the, the partner that's in the bed with the baby. Do you have any tips on how they might be able to help themselves feel okay with that I mean they may have logically said to themselves I can see this is the best thing for our family right now Mm. but I don't feel so great about it I don't feel Mm. so great about myself I mean what would you say they should do Look, I think it is about making it a conversation that you have together and to take it seriously because it's true enough the person in the bed with a baby has the disadvantage of potentially a disrupted night's sleep. It can be better sleep but not better sleep. But they do get the connection with the baby and this is why kids want to get into their parents' bed with the parents is because having someone there for you you know, it's a nice thing. And so saying to a child, no, you need to be in your bed all by yourself, but dad and I are together. You know, there is something about that that um, that is very Western 
And it's it's a social construction about that. And, you know, many people would still say, don't let your children into your bed, as much as there is also a movement around absolutely for a attached parenting to do that. So there's all sorts of extremities. There are many ways to do it. There actually is no one right way, but there are different downsides depending. So if someone's starting to feel quite cut off and lonely, it's having that broader conversation. Okay, maybe now we're starting to feel the downsides of our decision. How do we manage those? Should we revisit the decision? Is it kind of a red flag we should pay attention to or just a tough patch? Is it true that we're helping our baby the best possible way doing this? If a baby ends up with parents who are not in alignment or aren't close, you might be getting the baby to sleep, but that's not a family that's going to work for that child. So don't lose the bigger picture for this baby. What do you want for the baby overall? And the baby will sleep and get fed, whether it's in a cot down the corridor or in your room with you and will feel loved and cared for, but you could lose your partner if you don't take those things seriously. Elizabeth, thanks so much for speaking with us today. That's Elizabeth Shaw. She's the CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch... Email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.